Welcome, friends, people for peace, pods of consciousness, planetary citizens, wherever you happen to be today, listening to local news and social artistry. I'm your host, Dick Dalton. And each week, we have the pleasure of talking to someone who's building a more humane world from the inside out. And I have just been introduced to one such woman, Anne Fernandez, or according to your book cover, Yasmin Anne Fernandez. Hello. Did I do it right? <laughs> yes, you did. That's absolutely right. <laughs> welcome to uh, welcome to the show, Anne. Great to have you. Thank you. Thank you. We're both connected to uh, a woman out in Northern California who uh, has a, a website called evolvinghealtheducation.org. Yes. And uh, Roni has come up with an idea for a different kind of a book club. And this is a book club where people uh, actually will be on Zoom talking with the author. You're coming up real soon. Can you tell us a little bit about what you think it might be like? Yes, so this will be my first book club. My book has been out for a couple of years, and the title, uh, I'll say it and then spell it out because people always say, what? <laughs> so it's called Moonlight Pawn Wire, and the pawn is a slang word where I grew up in my village in the Caribbean. Uh, so instead of saying a pawn, they say pawn. And the title came up because... Um, we didn't have uh, water and electricity for many years and, you know, lived in, I didn't see it as poverty then, but now having the experience in this country, I guess some people see it as, wow, you were really poor. Anyway, when we first had an electrical light on the street, all the uh, villagers came out and said, look, moonlight pond wire. So, <laughs> hence the title of the book. Beautiful. <clears throat> Yeah, so I just wanted to touch also on uh, the name, you know, Yasmin Ann Fernandez, when I first came here to the country, uh, and I had this heavy West Indian accent, you know, like a Jamaican man, you know, it speak like, you know, that used man quite a bit. Uh -huh. uh, and so people would say, what, what is your name? And so I said, Ann. <laughs> <laughs> and it stuck. And so I go by Ann. And growing up was the slang similar to what I've heard of called patois? Uh, yes, it's a mixture because it's a, such a diversified culture. Mm -hmm. You know, there was the, the Creole culture. We had Hindus, we had Muslims, we had uh, Christians. I mean, it was just such a mixture of people from many different countries that settled there. And the great thing was that everyone celebrated each other's culture. I mean... You know, all of a sudden I had this flash about, wow, look at where we are now with the way the separation, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, with people and cultures. But yet, um, you know, I grew up with this integration uh -huh. of cultures and religions, and we all celebrated each other. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, my mother, who came from England, was Catholic. Mm -hmm. um, and my father, his family came from India, and he was Muslim. Oh. And they were happily married. And actually in the same household 
shared everything with each other's religion. So sometimes we'd have a priest and then we'd have an imam from the Muslim church at the same time in our home celebrating. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you could have Ganesh over in one corner of the house and and Paul over in the other. (laughs) Absolutely. However it might work. Yeah, you know, I I didn't realize how blessed I was to have that until I grew up, you know, became an adult and figured out some stuff in my life because it was just normal. That's how I lived. You know, I didn't know anything else, right? But I have to confess that I would always sneak out to all the Hindu celebrations because they would celebrate death, birth, marriages. Everything was a celebration and there was a lot of drumming and dancing and it was just beautiful. So you could always find me dancing and singing along with, you know, the Hindu pundits. So <laughs> what a great childhood. How long uh, did that get to last? So I was born there and didn't leave till I was like 15. Oh, so we wow. came to America when I was 15. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of that culture is still in me. Yeah, no doubt. Why yes. Why get rid of that? I know, right? Yeah. Well, you know, that's, that's a good question because uh, now I'm in a place of space, if you will, a country, and, and I love this country, that I feel like an outsider then. When I first came here, I felt like an outsider for obvious reasons, you know, different culture, different, everything was new. But now I've come full circle and I'm sort of feeling that again because of everything you know, going on out there in the world, right? you know, again, feeling like, wow, you know, my beliefs, my thoughts, my idea of integration of, of, you know, this harmony with nature, you know, I do know a lot of people that are waking up to all of that. So I'm so grateful for that. Mm-hmm. But I'd love to see that really penetrate, you know, throughout society and humanity. Well, I'll tell you from the number of guests that I've had on this show, over the last three years, there are a lot of people that have that sensitivity and that consciousness and awareness of, of the interdependence that we all are part of and the energetic connections that we, we all have, whether we always acknowledge them or not. So uh, I, you, you are not alone. <laughs> There's lots of folks all around the world. And, and uh, I think we both... Uh, know somewhat of uh, Clint Rogers and his ancient secrets of a master healer. I got onto that uh, Zoom miracle experiment thing. There were people from all over the world that were connecting and and eager to grow and expand their their love and get rid of their uh, obstacles and fears and and hates and things like that. So yes, desire is there. It's great to to see another uh, fellow warrior on the trail here. Thank you. And and you're absolutely right. I am, especially I would say, interestingly enough, over this last year, I feel that there's been this huge awakening. And um, even though people might say, oh, you know, COVID was horrible and is horrible and all these things were shut down. I, I feel that because of that, we were forced to really go within. People were forced to, you know, what else can they do? They can't go out and do all the things they were normally doing. So I found more people, even in the area where I am, you know, out in nature. I mean, there were way more people than there ever had been, 
you know, hiking the trails and connecting with nature because that's all they could do. And so I'm finding that more and more people are awakening. You're right. And I think it's because of this uh, inability to, you know, constantly go out into the world and, and live from the outside. People had to turn in, mm-hmm. you know, when you have no choice but to to sit and quiet in your own space or be in nature, it just happens automatically. And I think I think that happened to me in my childhood. I mean, I, I was born into it. I was raised into it till, till I was 15. And that's all I knew. So uh, it was only when I came here that I went, wow, there is something different. There's a different way that people live and how they behave and how they disconnect from nature. But I see it all coming full circle again. Mm-hmm. I see that people are now hopefully coming back to that way of life. So someone told me not too long back that uh, we are kind of officially moving into the age of Aquarius. Is that uh, possibly a a similar energy shift that uh, has crossed a line, so to speak? Absolutely. And I'm proud to say I'm an Aquarian. If that has anything to do with it, (laughs) that was just my sense of humor. However, because, you know, for... What, for the last 10 years, I've heard that saying, we're moving into the age of Aquarius. Oh, yeah. like, now we're here. Yeah. Um, but yes, it's it's absolutely for all of us. And, you know, and especially those who are on the spiritual journey, those who are digging deep within themselves. Um, those are the people that, us, uh, that I'm seeing mm-hmm. out there in the world on Zoom, on shows like yours, you know, um, writing books and doing all these amazing things. My hope is to somehow find a way, and I'm working on that, to sort of lift those people up who are still asleep. Mm-hmm. You know, because those of us who are awake, we're just going to keep going down that path of awakening. But I do know people around me that, um, I, and I guess the best description is still asleep in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're no longer going to be able to live like we were things cannot go back to the to the same way that it was mm-hmm. i mean that's a given mm-hmm. you know and i i fully completely believe that so those who have again expanded their awareness and consciousness and uh could foresee that this too shall pass and that we were going to come out of this mm-hmm. at a whole different frequency and vibration in the universe that's great. That's awesome. Those people are set and ready to rock and roll. But I really have a desire to hopefully help awaken those who uh, have not gone down that path. Mm-hmm. In your book club, do you think you will have some seekers in that way? Yes. I have a book club coming up later after yours. Uh, okay. How are you uh, thinking about organizing your book club? I think we have a mutual friend, uh, Ronnie, who is um, sort of managing and taking care of putting it together for us for the book club. And of course, you know, advertising to my, I have various groups I've worked with. I am a group leader with the um, Institute of Noetic Science. So before COVID, we were doing uh, once a month at my home, we would have talks and meditations and 
So I have other groups I would be sending that out to. On my end, putting it together, uh, I am hoping that by sharing, you know, my story and my challenges and, um, you know, that if all of us or any of us could always have this sort of thread of spirituality and, and belief in, you know, this wisdom and this source that's already within all of us, that if we could always hang on to that thread, no matter what is going on around us, that we will survive, we will be okay. You know, I think a term that I may have used is that because of that, because of that spiritual thread, you know, running through the tapestry of my life and all the ups and downs, it kept me from falling off the edge and I could have very well falling off the edge. Right. That rings a bell again with a number of, of guests I've had that spoke of early childhood awarenesses being the anchor to the thread that yeah. then they could hang on to, so to speak, right. as they moved through their life. And in our conversations, we weren't sure that everybody had that early childhood kind of uh, anchor or experience that, that tapped, that opened that window enough to, to see a thread. And I, and I think that's part of your challenge, my challenge, if we're wanting to expand awareness in, in the world. Um, you can't make the thread be there <laughs> from the past if it wasn't really there. Right. So, uh, yeah. So, yes, I, I agree with that. And, and those are the people that I hope to reach out to and to assist or guide in some way. Because, you know, I, I personally feel that every single person, we're talking about an anchor, yes. And it's great if we had that anchor, so to speak, from childhood. Because no matter what's going on, we can always at some point tap into that, mm -hmm. you know, right. and help sort of bring us along. Um, however, I feel that um, through meditation, which is, which is what I recommend to everyone, some sort of meditation, it could be washing dishes, walking in the woods. Uh, I mean, it takes on so many different forms. And so I feel that by having some sort of stillness, some sort of meditation, that anyone can tap into that, that source, that thread, that anchor that's really within us. Mm -hmm. I, I feel anyway that we came into this world, you know, with everything that we needed, everything that we needed. But as we went through our life's journey, you know, through our learning and growing and challenges, you know, we, there's some separation from that. But hopefully, if we can have tools and practices that we do along the way, mm -hmm. you know, we can still experience all those ups and downs, but we will always go back, you know, to that center, to that source. Mm -hmm. So maybe if I put it in a different language, um, we'll see how we agree on this. Maybe we could see that each person comes into this world sort of like an acorn that has all of the blueprints, so to speak, of, that could grow as long as the environment is supportive of that growth to its intended fulfilled self. 
you know, that's other people use that language. I'm just yeah. passing on what I've heard uh, at some of my meetings. So do you use analogies similar to that? Yes, I agree. And, and when I like to, you know, it's like you can plant a seed, but if you don't water it and till the soil and take care of it, mm -hmm. it remains a seed, right? right. It's not going to grow. It's not going to grow into this beautiful tree or flower or whatever seed we planted. Um, so yes, I, I fully agree with that. And, and yes, a lot of people don't have that. They don't have that environment that nurtures and helps that seed within them, so to speak, you know, that acorn, you know, to grow mm -hmm. and to become the tree, if right. you will. So part of your work, I'm going to imagine, is creating environments with love where people feel supported and safe enough to get the nurturing that they need to take the next step to the next level of whatever. Is that kind of what you've envisioned? Absolutely. A great description. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, well, we all know this, right? Without without love, <laughs> yeah. what, what else is there, right? So, yes. So I, I create environments through all the variety of work that I do mm -hmm. and the different skills that I have. Um, there's always that... Uh, connection, you know, with, with love and nurturing and, you know, the grandmother yeah. <laughs> handling in a way, you know. Yes. Um, one of the things I wanted to share with you is that, speaking of creating those environments, is that I was trying to find one word or one sentence, if you will, to describe the things that I do. Mm -hmm. Because I've gathered a lifetime of skills like being a Reiki master and teaching meditation and being a clinical hypnotherapist and life counseling. And I've done shamanic work and I also um, channel. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people, you know, so I hesitated to use some of that language, some of those words, because mm -hmm. as soon as it's natural, you know, as soon as we hear a word, we attach some belief to it. Right. right. Uh, and even when people hear the word channeling and I always say, we all channel. We all channel in one way or another, yeah. you know, when you're an artist and all of a sudden this insight comes in, you're painting this beautiful picture right. or when you write a book or when I'm working with my clients, you know, sometimes, yes, I'm speaking from the worldly knowledge that I learned in college and all of that stuff. But a lot of times there's a lot of intuitive stuff that comes in, which is in a sense channeling. Oh, yeah. So. So I was being interviewed on a podcast and I was explaining to her, I said, gosh, what do I come up with? And she goes, you're a shaman. Ah. That's what a shaman is. <laughs> a shaman doesn't have to have a title. They just speak the words of wisdom that people need to hear to help them heal. And um, so I had not thought of that, but I did study with a shaman. Mm -hmm. And I realized that growing up in my village, that there were shamans and there were people, sages, if you will, or people like that, that we would all look up to. Mm -hmm. And we'd sit around the fire in the evenings and we'd have conversation, which would help you in one way or another, mm -hmm. you know, and we learned a lot through that process. So I think that shamanism or sage or that type of thing was also a part of my life growing up. And I had just 
forgotten the yeah. terminology or, you know. <laughs> and there are probably other labels that are similar in other climbs. Uh, I, right. What came to mind was the word crone. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. It, it, it had favor and then it kind of went out of favor. And, and I think it's back in favor. <laughs> yes. It's a, a good word. Yes. And this is not just for myself. I mean, maybe you and other people I'm aware of too that are helping people in this life, you know, heal in one way or another and, and really here to help the planet and uh, create environments of, of love and connectedness. I wish we didn't have to come up with words to describe that, <laughs> that, that we could just show up and be those things. And I feel like I've arrived at that place finally in my life having um, acknowledged all the challenges, all the ups and downs, and with no regrets. Mm -hmm. I feel the important thing is that if we can ask ourselves, do I like the person that I am at this moment? And if you can say yes, then every single step you've taken in your life brought you to this point. So how can you have regrets? How can you be angry at the past? How can you hold on to anger and about you know with other people and what they may or may have done mm -hmm. or not have done so i feel that arriving at this place of just letting go of the past and being thankful in some ways even the times that we might see as challenges and difficulties i'm even thankful for those mm -hmm. i have uh, sort of resisted the phrase let go of the past <laughs> Because of that very thing, uh, my mantra or part of my morning mantra is in gratitude for the past. Yes. Because yes. like you said already, I wouldn't be here doing this today if it wasn't for 13.7 billion years of, <laughs> right. Right. of what we call the past. So I think if we parse out or, or discern out what we want to let go of is the um, negativity that we associated with the past. Right. So right. we're learning to forgive a person or ourselves or a moment in time because we understand it better now. And so we can look back on right. it with that understanding and, hey, yeah, hey, that yes. was pretty cool after all. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I know. And that being said, you, you just reminded me of, uh, you know, when I got divorced, I remember for a couple of years just being angry at the person and, oh my gosh, I was just, my, I could feel it in my whole body and my muscles and my, you know, everything. And just why this and why that and why didn't they do this and what? And it took a good couple of years for me to finally, finally get to that place where I realized, Wow, when I ask myself this one question, what did I learn out of that situation? Even though I was feeling angry, and of course, it was pointing the finger at the other person, right? You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, Where are those other three fingers pointing? <laughs> I know, right? Back at yourself. Exactly. But after a couple of years of just, you know, asking that question, so what is my takeaway from that situation? What did I learn? And boy, it just, I started writing. I, I kept journals, you know, all through my uh, divorce, you know, my also, and we'll talk for a minute about my physical healings as well. 
But keeping a journal really helped me a lot because I could take all that, the anger I was feeling, all the junk from the monkey mind, and I could put it on paper. Mm -hmm. And then it separated enough so that I could now look at it from a whole different perspective. And I could make sense of it. And that is what helped me to move through all of those things and to a point where I actually was able to say, thank you for being in my life. You know, thank you for being in my life. Because who knows, maybe at some point before we even came into this world, we made a deal with each other and said, okay, (laughs) I'm going to play this role. You're going to play this role, you know, but you won't remember that we made this pact. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, God, wouldn't it be great if we could have some recollection of, oh, yes, I did say I was going to do that. (laughs) I have a little uh, rewrite of a old song that you remind me of. And I'll just give you the lines of the first rewritten first verse. I, I wonder, as I wander out onto the stage, if there were auditions to act in this age. Wow. This the same thing. Speaking of writing, I am just such a stickler for that. You know, even when I'm working with clients privately, um, it's one of the things that I have them do is to keep a, a journal or a diary or some way to just take all that stuff out of your brain and put it on paper. Mm-hmm. That was what helped me for for about twelve years now. So I, you know, I'm out working with inner city kids. You know, helping them in nature, taking them on hikes. You know, things they've never seen or experienced before. Mm-hmm. And even though I was not allowed to use the word meditation, or I couldn't uh, go into anything spiritual with these children, mm-hmm. uh, I couldn't help myself. So <laughs> I thought I was so smart finding a way to take these kids out and have them sit under a tree at the end of a hike. And then I would say, okay, we're going to play a game now. I want you to close your eyes. And then uh, I will, when I tell you to open your eyes, you're going to tell me what you heard, what you felt, and now what do you feel like? So anyway, I played this little activity with them. Cool. And sure enough, these kids who had never been out in nature and who came to this camp, you know, fighting with each other and, and just couldn't get along because, you know, they came from, from poverty. They didn't have the environment to, to lure them along, you know, this path that we're right. talking about. And so they opened their eyes and then they would say, wow, I felt the breeze across my face and I heard this bird in the distance and I almost felt like I could fly. And and I mean, there's things they were describing. Of course, I couldn't say it out loud, but inside I was like, yes, I got them into that place of stillness where they could listen to their inner self. Mm -hmm. You created the environment with love. Right, right. right. I'm working with these kids, so I'm having them climb hills and do all these physical things, and I'm doing it with them. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, I started feeling some pain here and there, and of course I ignored it and uh, kept doing what I was doing. Finally, I arrived at the point where I had to go in and had a doctor take a look at me and figure out what was happening. Mm -hmm. So I'll never forget this day. I'm sitting in his office, and he said, well... You have osteoarthritis and you have rheumatoid arthritis. Mm. And 
he said, so you have an autoimmune disease and, you know, things are going to shift and change in your life. And he said, but I have some medication that can help you. And there was this, the strongest overwhelming feeling I've ever had of a voice inside of me saying no. Mm -hmm. And I've never been against conventional medicine. It has its place. Mm -hmm. um, however, this voice was so strong. Mm -hmm. I said to him, you know what? Let me get back to you. Mm -hmm. I went to my car, cl closed the door, and I screamed out loud to the universe. And I said, why me? Ah. And it was in that because I felt like I was doing all the right things. Mm -hmm. But this voice was like, don't do the conventional medicine. Well, long story short, I have, it's been 12 years now. I have not taken any conventional medicine, nothing for pain. And I have my days where I have, you know, some pain. Mm -hmm. But I found that my practice that I've been doing is what has helped me along this healing journey. Mm -hmm. And yeah. what I mean by that is my meditation mm -hmm. and my journaling. And then also, of course, my working in hypnotherapy, which has to do with your beliefs. We are what we believe. Mm -hmm. Really applying the things that I was teaching people <laughs> and finally waking up one day and saying, wow, wouldn't it be a good idea if you applied all these things to yourself? Uh-oh. <laughs> you know? Ding, ding. So, and yeah, and it was like, wow, yes, it does work. Anyway, so taking that journey and applying the journaling and, and the meditation, and again, shifting, you know, my beliefs, I asked myself the question, what is it that's going on with me emotionally, psychologically, mm -hmm. that can also be affecting this uh, disease and this, you know, healing protocol. Mm -hmm. And things, once you ask the questions, it's, it's almost like you open up a, a door and the stuff just, just sort of pours through. Right. And, and even reaching out, you know, not just to other people, but just to your higher consciousness, to the universe, whatever your belief is, and saying, wow, I need help. Just like I asked, you know, when I went through my divorce, why? You know, why did this happen? Why all these challenges? Why all this anger? Why? By doing that with the uh, healing journey as well, mm -hmm. the answers just kept coming in. And, and I guess the biggest thing is, is just trusting your intuition. Because yes, you can get the answers, but when you trust and believe that you have the answers to your own health and wellness and well-being in this world and joy and happiness... You know, when you trust and believe that, then it is true. So some people talk about uh, our different brains, our skull brain and our heart brain and our gut brain and, and even beyond that. And sometimes they put intuition in, in there, like maybe your heart brain or your gut brain, because they're all wired. Uh, right. So we, we just don't know, like you said much earlier, the channeling, where yeah. did that come from? And where does this know come from and, and right. our, our intuitions? And, and trusting that is so powerful. Yeah, Absolutely. I think that's the key word, you know, and sure, we could have a whole discussion on, I mean, is it true? Is there a God? Is there, what do we mean by source? What do we mean by higher consciousness? And, and I, I feel that if you have found a way to live your life with joy, with peace, and you're spreading love and joy and happiness out there in the world, then whatever it is, 
that you have come to believe in or that you have found and whatever you want to call it, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's if it's working, and that's exactly what's right for you. Mm-hmm. And and it could look a little different for all of us, right? I mean, I can call it higher consciousness. Some people can call it source. Other people can call it God. I mean, and other people might just say, "Wow, I go out in nature, and nature is my temple." So, I think it's how we are in the world. How are you being in the world? How are you showing up in life? Because look, we can gather all this knowledge and wisdom and all this stuff, but how are you showing up in the world? How are you participating? How are you in your community? How are you interacting with other human human beings? I know a little bit of your history, and I think our listeners might benefit from hearing you talk about how you handled how you worked with suicide in your journey just a lot of work that must have gone on and and maybe you can share uh, some of of your work on that well it's it's in my book and and it was in a very low time of my life i was in my marriage i was unhappy and and i was having some female uh physical stuff going on that the doctors could not figure out mm-hmm. but i would go into uh depression in a sense i would close the bedroom door and just you go in. and i think because it's so important for me to show up with my children especially and grandchildren now and to show up in life as as a loving caring nurturing person and when i went through times where i couldn't do that there was something in me that said well how can you live like this you're of no use to children or to you know anyone else around you and so going into that depression and and going down that path i just figured okay that's if i go away everybody else will be better off yeah you know? oh yeah mm-hmm. but boy now <laughs> Now I wouldn't I don't even have one iota no thoughts no energy around anything like that. So again it's interesting to me like we talked about earlier how every single experience you have can actually be a big part of what moves you into this wonderful space that you're in now. So I'm grateful for all of that. So I know because I've checked with you already that you did have a connection with the Monroe Institute. Yes. And I had just read uh, a friend of mine posted an article about the CIA releasing a a report about uh, the investigation they did on consciousness and so on back from the 60s and 70s. And, And the Monroe Institute was actually mentioned in that. So yeah. how did you happen onto the Monroe Institute, which is still very active, I understand? Yes, yes. It was a life changer for me. I got divorced and and you know, and, and throughout my whole life I've had experiences I didn't ask for, I didn't read about it, I didn't it was just literally if uh someone that I knew had passed I would be doing housework or something like that and suddenly they would be standing there in front of me saying, mm. "Hi, I just came to say goodbye." <laughs> well, when these things first started happening to me, I look around me to see if someone was playing a prank or something like that. So, 
anyway, as time went on, so this even happened to me in childhood. Mm-hmm. I would wake up and see some energy at the mm-hmm. foot of my bed. And of course I would question it and try to figure out what's going on. And I spent a lot of time walking through sugarcane fields, bare feet. And sometimes I would lay in the sugarcane fields, looking up at the sky. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden I'd find myself into this meditative state. I didn't have a word for it, but mm-hmm. now I know that's what I was doing. Yeah. So this was happening even after my divorce. Well, during my marriage, I would wake up every night at three and there would be something that would wake me up and then I would be groggy and upset and I would say, I just want to go back to sleep. And this inner voice would say, not until you write. And I would say to this inner voice, if you will, what do you mean? I'm not a writer. What do you mean write? What do you want me to write about? Just anything, write. (laughs) And I would start writing. And then I'd be able to go back to sleep. So this kept happening night after night. So I ended up writing some poetry. And I had a brother who was 21 who had died in a car accident. And I found myself writing about him. And so this continued for quite some time. Mm -hmm. And then people would pass that I knew. And all of a sudden, again, they'd be standing in front of me, just sort of hands clasped, bowing, saying, I'm good. Just want to say goodbye. But what started happening over time after my divorce, I'm living on my own with my children and uh, I would be awakened at night and there would be either someone standing at the foot of my bed saying, I want you to give a message to so-and-so, this person. And so, (laughs) because I loved my sleep, I would be like, please go away. (laughs) I just want to sleep. And so finally, I, I realized that whenever I had these downloads, if you will, or or messages, until I gave them to that person or shared them with the person they were meant for, then I could go back to sleep. So I would be really hesitant about doing it because my gosh, I'm going to go up to this person and say, by the way, (laughs) there was this energy at the foot of my bed and it said, I need to give you this message. But interestingly enough, the people around me were very accepting and some of it resonated with them and made sense. But this kept escalating and escalating. And so I was awake every night. And then it would be like like a light show sometimes. There would be like all these lights and they would be swirling around like energy moving in the room. And so again, uh, all I wanted to do was just please let me go to sleep. So I kept searching and back then the internet was not as it is now. Mm -hmm. And so somehow I, I think I found information and someone told me about the Monroe Institute that maybe they can help you and answer your questions because I just needed to understand why I was seeing all these spirit guides. I mean, and, and even if I may, even Michael, the archangel showed up as this golden light and wonderful smell just went through my body that I've never smelled before. And so I thought, okay, either I'm losing it or something amazing is happening here that I don't understand. So long story short, everything fell into place and I went to the Monroe Institute. Uh, And one of the things I loved about it is that there are no watches or clocks or anything like that for the full week that you're there. So you don't know what time it is. And yet all of us, after a day or so, we would finally settle into like, oh gee, I wonder if it's time for lunch or time for this or time for that. (laughs) We finally settle into that and everyone showed up for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, 
and for our evening meeting, meetings around the same time. And we are so trapped by this idea of time mm -hmm. that we have come to believe that we won't be able to function or exist without it. But we did. It was wonderful. It was an amazing week. And so we did all these meditations. Uh, so we had lots and lots of meditations and guidance from uh, Mr. Monroe by his tapes. And it just completely changed things for me. And then there were other people who had had some of these experiences. So now I realized, okay, if I am crazy, then so are all these people. So at least I have some company. You know? <laughs> and so this completely shifted things for me. It helped me to have more of an understanding of all these experiences I was having. And so I was able to come back and just integrate all of these experiences that I continue to have into how I was going to walk my path in my life. So it actually became messages and experiences that actually helped me to grow as a person. And to me, that's the key, even when I'm working with clients that, again, and I think I said this earlier, we can gather all this information, but can we apply it to our lives? Can we use it to live with joy and happiness and live a good life? And yes, the answer is yes, because I certainly took all of that stuff and I still continue to as I have these experiences and I integrated and applied in my life and walk my path. If it wasn't for the Monroe Institute, I'm not sure, maybe I would have found information somewhere else, but they really helped me to understand the experiences that I was having. The Monroe Institute, they still do programs and- um, Where are they located? I, they're in Virginia. Yeah, the grounds are just beautiful and, and just being there, it has a wonderful energy about it. Then you had hypnotherapy came along as a training? Yes, yes. I went to school initially and I thought I was going to be a psychologist. And, mm -hmm. you know, so I started out in college that way. And then um, somebody had talked to me about hypnotherapy. And like a lot of people back then, I thought like, really? <laughs> Someone... <laughs> someone is going to help me, you know, change my beliefs or shift my beliefs. And so the, the curiosity got to me and I started researching it and really, it really resonated with me. So I ended up uh, going to a college out here in California. I went there for about a year and a half to two years mm -hmm. and started going down that path. Mm -hmm. um, so I had, before that, I was doing meditation pretty much my whole life. And so I was teaching meditation and, and doing some uh, guiding mm -hmm. through meditation and nature. I would take people on nature walks mm -hmm. and uh, actually show them how just by being in nature, they can go into that meditative state mm -hmm. just by feeling the connectedness and the oneness with nature. So then I could now add the, the hypnotherapy to under the umbrella of the uh, work I was doing to help, to help people. Right. And then, of course, it, it felt like after the Monroe Institute, it's almost like just doors were flung open. So I was studying hypnotherapy. I was studying with a shaman. And a big part of my experiences came from working a lot with the Native American culture. Mm -hmm. Even though my father's from India, I felt a deep attraction uh, and it really resonated with me to be with and go through some of the rituals with the Native American culture. Right. And the big part of that, I think for me anyway, my takeaway with that is 
just the sacredness of everything, of the food we eat, uh, you know, honoring the plants and the trees and the animals and honoring each, that really resonated with me. And so I went to sweat lodges. I did a lot of the different uh, rituals and stuff that uh, was around me here in California. Mm-hmm. I, I think I shared this in my book, but a quick story while I was in a, in a sweat lodge ceremony, I literally had to be tapped on the shoulder to be brought back. I had completely, I lost track of time, had mm-hmm. no idea what was going on, but I had this uh, vision, if you will, of uh I saw this eagle, and then this, again, this inner voice was saying, you are eagle eye. And even within that space, I am saying, well, what do you mean? (laughs) And so I I think my teachers in school used to get upset with me sometimes. You're always asking why. What do you mean? Why that? Why this? Because I want to know. But then what I heard was, well, because you you can see the big picture. Mm-hmm. You have the ability to see the big picture. As the eagle flies way up, it can see the big picture before it decide, decides to come down and mm-hmm. get its prey or whatever. You know, sometimes you can have dreams and you can have ideas and use your imagination. But when you have these type of visions and these things, you feel it with your whole being. Mm-hmm. And, and it lasts for a while. Yeah. You know, it's like if you've ever had that dream that it stays with you for a few days. It's just in your brain, you know, in your mind constantly. And then you have other things that they sort of come and go. Mm-hmm. Well, this was one of those uh, experiences that really has stuck with me. And I felt with my whole being. So there was that experience. And then from that, I started doing uh, energy work with people. But I didn't realize that I had done that even when I was teaching meditation years ago. Again, as I look back, I realized I was doing so many different things, whether it was during my childhood or or just even here when I came here to this country, but I didn't have a name for it. I didn't call it something. Oh, I'm doing energy work. You know, (laughs) I always felt this sort of inner guidance when I'm working with people. I would say 100% of the time, the right thing to do or the right words to say or the right tools to use to help the person. I might show up even on Zoom nowadays, you're working with a client and you might say, hey, I need some hypnotherapy work. And we start talking and suddenly I'm talking to them about energy. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm talking to them about, you know, meditation. Or I'm talking to them about maybe shamanic work, something like that. So now I am thankful that I have all these tools because I can work with a variety of people. So all these doors kept opening and I kept gathering you know, all these skills, all this information, all these tools. And I kept searching, like I said to you, for one word or some description Mm -hmm. of these are all the things that I can do and can offer you. And now it doesn't matter anymore. I just let people say, oh, gee, I'd love a hypnotherapy session with you. And I say, great, awesome. You know, (laughs) let's get together. And, And then you tap into that intuition Mm -hmm. and you just kind of know which direction to go in with them Mm -hmm. and I find that so much more success that way Mm -hmm. rather than coming in with my own agenda oh yes you want hypnotherapy work so I'm going to do this this and this and and it's even like I love how you do your show where 
It's like we show up and we start talking to each other. <laughs> uh, exactly. And yeah, and, and to me, when we can live our lives like that, I call it the flow. Right. You know, we're in the flow. We're in the rhythm. Everything around us has a rhythm. Within us, we have a rhythm. And I almost get a little choked up when I, when I say this, but I, I feel sad that so many of us, and for so many years, we have become separated from that rhythm, from that, that inner flow and the flow of nature and everything around us. And I am hoping from what you said earlier that there's more and more people out there that are now in this awareness, really expanding their consciousness and awareness that we are reconnecting with that rhythm and with that flow. Because I really think that's the key. That's the key to bringing us back to joy. Mm -hmm. This shift has been happening in pieces for a long time. Yes. And uh, some of us are old and gray. Some of us have passed on that had worked on that shift through their lives. So we have a lot of people to, our, so to speak, our ancestors <laughs> that have been praying for us and guiding us and working with us to carry on the work. Ab yeah. Absolutely. Yes. And earlier on, we talked about uh, the past and how, do, well, there are some things in our past or history, if you will, that I feel it's worthwhile bringing forward into our present time. And that's, like you said, our ancestors mm -hmm. and the people who have passed on and maybe people who are still around that have a lot to do with helping us in the sh through the shift, right. you know, bringing us forward. I wanted to, this is sort of a sharing and an asking a question at the same time. Mm -hmm. I've been lately, you know, in my meditations and when I sit in quiet in nature, Wow, I have this, it's, it's almost like a movie that goes on. <laughs> I wish I could actually film it and go, wow, look at what I'm seeing. So the things that have been coming up is that uh, seems, seems obvious to me anyway. I feel like we're coming full circle and that life itself, if you look throughout history, that it works in these sort of concentric circular motions. And I feel like we're sort of in that space now where we're coming back to like, okay, our ancestors or grandparents, great-grandparents started out where they were connected to the earth, to the, everything around them, mm -hmm. because that's how they survived. That's how life happened. Maybe they didn't have watches or clocks way back. And, and so they depended on the sun and the moon and the seasons and everything around us. Mm -hmm. And I feel even though we are here at this present time with our technology, and the way we are and will be continuing to live our lives, that there's some of that I feel that is now infiltrating mm -hmm. you know, our lives and a lot of people. And I feel like we're being in touch again with that. And so I'm hoping that because of that, that we will once again be in touch with that rhythm, that frequency of the connectedness and the oneness of everything. Some people like the circle, some people like the spiral, some yeah. people like the uh, intertwining spiral yep. that uh, comes around and, and each has a, gives an image, uh, sort of a piece of the picture. As you were talking, I was thinking of Bruce Lipton and Steve Behrman's book, Spontaneous Evolution. And there they speak of the spirit and matter, spirit yes. and matter, 
uh, sometimes are very separate in yeah. history, but sometimes they converge and there's an honoring of the spirit and matter yeah. together. And, and they're of the opinion that we're at this point where spirit and matter are, are beginning to honor each other. So others are speaking of this same kind of thing. That's awesome to hear because, you know, sometimes I have to admit that sometimes I feel and not lonely, but a bit of like alone in the sense like I'm very visual and, and I get lots of downloads from source, from spirit, from nature, from everything around me. And I go, wow, how do I share this with people? How do I tell them this? Are they going to understand it? Is it going to make sense? So thank you for validating that. Like people like Bruce Lipton and those other people are saying something similar. And I do feel that. I feel like spirit and matter is definitely now converging and coming together. And I have this wonderful, amazing feeling inside of me that we are being catapulted, if you will, into a whole new level, new way of being. And I'm loving it. It feels good. It feels like it's going to be awesome, that there's going to be more connection, mm -hmm. more uh, integrating, mm -hmm. and more community, maybe more, more expression of love and kindness and heart. And so even though uh, at a personal level, I might wake up one day and, and have a crappy day, you know, not feel at my best, or we might look outside in our world or listen to the news and see things that don't seem like that. I know that we are moving through this and we are going to land in this, this space of, it's almost like a, we'll be in a whole other dimension of the way we're gonna live our lives. And the other thing that's been really coming up lately for me is that you were talking about intuition. Some people call it the sixth sense, right? I'm sure there's all kinds of terminology for it. I really believe that we will be living more from that sixth sense. Mm -hmm. We're going to be using more of our intuition and our sixth sense. Mm -hmm. Whereas this past millennia or however many years we have been using all the other five senses. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think because of that, because of that shift, and because we will be using more of that sixth sense and our intuition, that we will live with more connectedness, more love and compassion. And we will really and truly, finally, I am just so excited about this, really feel, not just say it, but really feel it in our hearts and our bodies and our minds and our souls, that everything is connected. Everything is connected. Amen, sister. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, oh thank you but for that. One thing we need to say to our audience, though, is if they are interested in your book club, how would they uh, sign up? Is that through evolvinghealtheducation.org? Would they just go yes. there and look for Yasmin and Fernandez and your book, Moonlight Fun? Wire? So they can actually look for my book on Amazon. But for the book club, uh, I believe it is the first website. And that book club is coming up. I believe our first one is, I want to say, March 18th. So that's coming up soon. Yeah, that's it. If people actually would like to get more information about me or the book club, actually, they can look at my website. My website is called risingawareness.com. I've been asked in a small community. Um, 
out in the desert here to speak monthly at a Yucca Valley virtual center. And so what I've done is just taken basically the talks and the tapes and put them on a YouTube channel. And that's called Wisdom Talks with Yasmin Ann. And actually, I'll be speaking there on the 28th again. I just want to say one thing. When they first asked me to speak at the center, I thought, okay, what am I going to talk about? And so I'd go for a walk in the woods. And all of a sudden, this download would come in of like, this is what you're going to talk about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so as soon as I got home, I'm on my computer, I'm writing it down. Because whenever I get these downloads, and if I don't put it down someplace, it's gone. So pretty much all of my talks I've done there are stuff that just sort of like downloaded. I write it down exactly like it is. And that's how I say it. Um, well, that's too easy. That, I mean, that's just taking dictation. I, I don't think that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very funny. I love you know, that's, how, that's how I ended up writing my book. It was, uh, I always enjoyed writing. I used to have a newspaper article in Santa Monica called Ask Anne. And so people would write in their questions and I would respond. Um, and I always wrote uh, poetry. I love poems and always had little pieces here and there. And finally, it was like this book just kept coming through. This book, you have to write this book. You have to write this book. I had no idea what I was going to do with this book. And literally, I did my morning meditation. I sat down in front of my computer, pulled up a blank page and started writing. And I swear to you, it was two months later and this book was done. And the words I heard within myself was, you don't judge, you don't stop, wait till you're all finished. And then you can look back and clean it up a little bit. So I felt like really the book was also just downloaded. This is what hmm. I'm going to write about. So can't wait to read it. Well, thank you. Yes, I, I came up with a workbook as well. So for the book club, we'll have the book and a little workbook that people can use as a journal. Well, Anne, I'd like to talk more, but our, our time is up. Thank you so much, Dick, for having me. Such a pleasure. And audience, remember, uh, wherever you are, uh, that is your world. Please leave your world cleaner, more peaceful, and more loving than you found it because... If it is to be, it is up to us. Take care. Talk to you soon.